0: Psalm 133. We used to sing Victory in Jesus uh, in the church where I grew up. And uh, I was standing and singing down here on the front row with my son, and I leaned over and I said, You know that part in the song where it says, He plunged me to victory? And I'm looking at my mom who's already shaking her head like this. I used to think that said, He punched me to victory. And sometimes I think the Lord needs to hit me right in the mouth, and uh I, that but I, I never sing that song the same way again. He punched me whatever just i 'll win however He wants me to win amen psalm one thirty three as you are are turning there, landing there, welcome to Lindsay Lane. My name is Andy John King, I'm the lead pastor here, and it 's good to see everybody today and uh, welcome in from the cold and And all of that, we've had a winter this time, haven't we? And uh, it's good to see you today, and I'm I'm thankful you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're glad that you're here. There are people all over this campus that would like to help you take a next step of coming back here and landing here again. I want to put something before you, before we begin the message. Uh, You may have noticed in the bulletin when you walked in uh, in that there's uh, Easter's coming up. It's hardy March, and uh, next month Easter will be here. And uh, before we get to Easter, we actually have an Easter egg hunt, and this year that Easter egg hunt will be at Tanner High School, and uh, there's a very purposeful reason behind that. Um, our leadership is is already praying about the possibility of a cross-cultural work in the future, and uh, I would ask you uh, to, to join us, join us in praying that God would use us to reach across cultures, uh, even locally, um, as we do on the mission field, and so... This is part of the vision here moving forward is diversity of fellowship, and not just diversity of fellowship, but genuine diversity of fellowship. And uh, even I'm learning in recent days of of just how much that looks different even than what we think it does. But here's what I know. I, I really believe that there's no reason to think that God should bless us towards diversity of fellowship in any way if we're not willing to be good stewards of it. If we're not willing to go to where people are, if we're not willing to meet where people are, Uh, I I don't know that God would would trust us with a work in the future. So I'm asking you now, first of all, to invite to that. We're putting together uh, Easter invitations that will go out very soon. The the next to last Wednesday night of this month will be going out into the community. Uh, All of us that are here on Wednesday night going out into the community and inviting people to that Easter egg hunt. We would love for you to go with us to do that. We would love for you to be there and meet people and serve. But more than anything right now, I would ask, genuinely ask you to begin praying with us for God to raise up a work that we could be a part of that would lead to the growth of the kingdom here in North Alabama. Uh, That is what the church is, is to be a part of. And I'm sure there are other churches that have thought the same and are working towards the same. There's no reason for Lindsay Lane to wait though. There's no reason for us to wait any longer about doing something like this. So Uh, this is, is, I'm putting this before you now so that you would pray with us. If you would join together as this, this month is really about unity and harmony, that you would join us all in praying for God to raise up a leader, uh, to, to put together a new work somewhere around us that we can be a part of that would add to the growth of the kingdom in a very diverse way. Amen. So with that being said, I'm just going to pray for us now before we start, Lord, we humbly ask you, oh God, to use our church towards growth of your kingdom. Lord, however that looks and however you would lead, we pray, oh God, that you would raise up a leader, that you would raise up a section of people, that you would give a place, and Father, that we have the reason. We just pray, Lord, that you would determine our steps and determine our time, and we ask God today that you would speak to us through your word as we need you right here on this main campus, as we know that they need you at the East Campus, the North Campus, and all across the churches that preach the gospel, but Lord, all across this world, we are in need of light and life and truth and we ask O oh god today that you would speak plain to us lord and even more so that we would take it with us and live it out before a lost and dying world we thank you O oh god for jesus for victory in jesus that we don't have to wonder what will happen upon death god but we will know that if we are in christ there will be victory forever because of you and we thank you lord for who you are you are always the main character God, you are full of grace and goodness, and we thank you, Lord, for your holy character. And God, out of that, your love for us, we are grateful. And pray, God, today that as we preach and teach, we would be mindful that you are desiring to reach us and teach us so that we may reach to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. Psalm 133 is actually a, a continuation from last week. We talked about the three festivals that, in the Old Testament, God had his people go to the tabernacle or go to Jerusalem to celebrate and to remember what God had done by freeing them from Egypt and, and for his provision. And so God had them gather together and had them worship together because of all that he had done for them. Now, in Psalm 133, this is a song of ascent. Ascent means you're going up and all of the people were going towards Jerusalem. In fact, Psalms chapter 120 through 136 are all songs of ascent, meaning this is what the people sang when they were marching towards those festivals. Yours may have a a precursor like mine does in Psalm 133 where it says, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem, a Psalm of David. So these are all a collection of, of songs that they are singing as they are moving towards the gathering. In fact, These were songs that were sung on the way to worship. They had the radio on before they got there. Songs that they were singing before they actually all got together as they were setting their heart on purpose. Sometimes we need to worship before we come to worship. Sometimes we need to prepare our heart before the Word. There's oftentimes, I think, that we need to flip it and preach first and sing second. So that we'll actually know and realize exactly why we are singing. And so they were preparing their heart towards the festival gathering that God had put together for the purpose of their remembering. Now, the author of this psalm is King David. And there's something that you should know as we are leading into this psalm that is going to speak of harmony. That is the main theme. It's going to speak of unity. King David is the author of this psalm. And before King David became king of Israel, he was only king of Judah. And God's people at that time warred against one another. In other words, they warred against one another before walking with each other. They were at odds. There was tension between the very people group that God had called out to be a blessing to the world. They were infighting, fighting against one another. And before David became the king of Israel, only being the king of Judah, there was a very real present tension between the change in leadership and Israel was under the, the reign of another king. His name is hard to pronounce. Is Ishbosheth, which again, when I pronounce names like that, I have to remind myself that you don't really know either. So we just go with it. <laughs> and during this short season, there were times when the people of God literally lined up before each other and fought to the death. You can look at that in Second Samuel chapter two. And as those battles Raged on. At one point, the commander of Saul's army turned to the commander of David's army, and this is what he said. Must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Now, I want you to hear that today as church members. I want y'all to hear that today as family members, families. Listen to that verse again. Must we always be killing each other? This is 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Families, listen to this. Whatever y'all got going on, you better call it off before somebody else gets hurt. You better call it off now before one individual in your family Gets hurt and takes others with them, and all of a sudden, you've got a culture within your family of split. You've got a culture of discord because the breakdown of individuals begins with the breakdown of a family. When a family fights and wounds one another, individuals are left with bitterness in their heart, and it often influences them to take others to pull them to their side, causing division over unity. Families and church families must remember that they are brought together by a covenant or by blood relation, by a covenant or blood relation. And both of those bind people to stay together for the good of not just themselves, but for a forward-moving culture. Families, get yourselves and keep yourselves together so that your family for years and years and years to come will stay together. And so that's the importance of winning one person back into your family. There is a single thought of the passage of Psalm 133. It's harmony. It's, it's the value of unity. And the nation of Israel suffered through division within their history. But there were times when they got it right. There were times when they were singing together on the way to Jerusalem. And God gave them these festivals for the purpose of remembering his goodness. And those pilgrimages to Jerusalem, brought them one in spirit, one in purpose, together as the people of God. They got it right. And because they got it right, there was much purpose. Now, once again, I don't know how you grew up in church, if you did or if you didn't. One thing I do know is as the the body continues to grow and grow larger, if you're sitting in a sanctuary, some of you may be sitting in a sanctuary smaller than the one that you came from, A lot of you may be sitting in a sanctuary that is much larger than the one that you came from. And as the body continues to grow and the body gets larger, sometimes it's easier for us to blend into the body and not see ourselves as actually belonging to it and contributing to it. But when more people get involved, y'all know this, where there is more people, there's more purpose. But also where there is more people, there's more potential for problems. That's what people bring. That's what people bring into a family. And if if we are a church family, we have the potential for progress or we have the potential for problems. Now, an old ball coach that I used to hear from said, let me tell you something about potential. Potential means they haven't done anything yet. That is a good word, by the way. So as we come into the body of Christ, we have the potential to either serve towards the purposes of God or to pull away to ourselves which causes discord now in psalm chapter 133 verse 1 king david says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony how one and it is isn't it isn't unity is really good in any organization church family ball team business how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony I love family get-togethers. I mean, I love them. I love getting together at Christmas. I love getting together the 4th of July and and the like, right? All of those times when families get together and when the community gets together and it's really good to see one another. It's really good to laugh together, be gathered around the same purpose, but celebrating together and living together are not the same thing. Can anybody say amen to that? Because the scripture says... How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. To live together and to dwell together is translated as to sit down. And this implies where you stay. This implies where you can be found. If I want to find you, I will go to where you are most often. I will go to where you dwell. I will go to where you sit down the most with one another. How wonderful it is when all of those places you can be found, unity can be found with you. But the places and the people where you go and where you can be regularly found and the people that are there the most are the places where discord has the greatest possibility. If you've experienced tension in your family if you have experienced tension in your church families, if you experience tension in your team or at work, it is likely relative to the time that you spent there. A new person comes in, a new group is formed, everything is awesome. Teachers, think about that first day of class when everybody's there and they are just so proper and nobody says a word. What happens a week or two later? That's when classroom management really has to take place, right? Because they are there not together just one day, but they are there for a long time. So the places where you belong and the places where you belong together for a long time are the places where the greatest possibility of discord exists. If you've experienced this, you've been there and around those people long enough for the primaries of what you have in common to be challenged by the secondaries of what you prefer. Let me say that one more time. In these places where you are together and where you belong and together long enough, you have a temptation to choose the primaries of what you have in common or you have a temptation to choose the secondaries of what you prefer over the primaries of what you have in common. Write this down. Uniformity is not unity. Listen to that one more time uniformity is not unity, meaning there can be harmony without agreement on every area of preference. There can be peace and purpose and oneness, even though everything and everyone is not the same. How so? Some of my friends and I have this conversation about basketball shoes. That's random and weird, I know, but it's March, just Cut me some slack. We're about to be really in the heart of basketball, right? If you've noticed in recent days, when a team wears a jersey that's, say, black and white, and there may be a, a, a slide on the screen, when, when a team wears black and white, you may notice that there will be teams on the left that have traditionally always worn black and white. It matches their uniform. It makes it very uniformed, right? You'll also notice in recent days on the right-hand side, you may look up on TV, for those of you that care about basketball, watch it all. You may see on on the right-hand side that there may be a black and white uniform and a person is wearing lime green shoes or hot pink or red or whatever it is. And so even as I'm saying this to you now and you're looking on the screen, there's probably already a thought in your head of which one you prefer. Is it not? More than likely, you are already thinking to yourself, I love the self-expression on the right. Or you are thinking, it needs to look like they're somebody and they're together. So you've not asked me, but I'll tell you that I have a preference as well. When I look at that screen and I look at those shoes and I think about it, I have a preference as well. But do you know what even supersedes the preference that I have over those shoes? I don't care what shoe you have. I want to win. I want my team to win. That's what I would like. Because there's one thing that's primary. There's another that is secondary. Now, individuals who major on the minors may find themselves lobbying not for unity, but uniformity. They want everything the same according to their preference, and in doing so, they surround themselves with their people only representing their same thoughts. And this is not unity. It is uniformity. In fact, that's how churches split. You come over to my side where we like the white and black shoes. The folks over there that like the lime green, pink, and purple shoes, let them be over there. That is choosing uniformity over unity, and when uniformity is the goal, more and more people are left out it 's hard to have victory in Jesus when we argue over shoes. You know what I think Are we getting team shoes here? No, but you get it 's hard to have victory in Jesus when you argue over paint colors y 'all there 's churches that split over those things that split over the Secondaries, not the primaries. There, there are tons of people that leave churches and gather up people around them because they've lost the cause of Christ and move out to something else. They want sameness, not oneness. They want sameness. Now, I have to learn this in my family. If you take a look at this in the family context, it's very much the same way. Like, when kids sit down to eat, when kids sit down to eat, adults may say, let's say we have a, a plate of spaghetti. Adults are going to sit down and eat a plate of spaghetti and they're going to have a water or a sweet tea or a Coke. And for those of you that are new to the South, that's a Coke is everything. It is, yes, it's soda, it's pop, um, Sundrop, which is the king of kings of soda, pop, Cokes. So we may sit down and have something normal like that, right? Well, when you sit around the dinner table with kids and kids come into the picture, they'll have a plate of spaghetti And my daughter, for example, will say, no, I don't want any of that. I'll have a chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Seriously, anybody else in here, their kids, where they sit down and eat chocolate milk with spaghetti? And so when we are at our dinner table together and we are eating spaghetti and everybody else has something normal, and then my daughter says, I'm going to fill it up with chocolate milk, there's this part in me of the leader, as the leader of, of my family, as Brittany and I are together leading our family, part of me goes... You're not going to drink chocolate milk. And, and the answer to that is, is really only my preference. There's no really reason why I don't want her to eat chocolate milk. It's just gross. It's not right. So, so I, I, will, I will at least question it. At least question, why are you drinking chocolate milk with spaghetti? Well, I like it. Oh, well, I don't care. <laughs> so... And I, I tell you this because my wife has to help me see the bigger picture. Brittany has said things to me before like this, Andy John, do you want to control our children or do you want to enjoy them being around us at the dinner table? That's good, isn't it? Do you want to control what they drink? If I had my brothers, we'd drink whole milk at my house, but, I, you know, it's, it's preference, so we drink 2%. Which, you know, if I want to drink water, I mean, as one of my buddies has said before, I want my milk looking like Elmer's glue, right? But I digress. We're health, We're getting healthier. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, but Brittany has, has told me that, do you want to have control? Do you want to have control over our family or do you want to have unity in our family? Uniformity. And unity are not the same thing. Uniformity, write this down as well. Uniformity seeks control. Unity seeks cooperation. Uniformity seeks control. Unity seeks cooperation. Now, I'm sure some of you we have a lot of leaders in here, and more, more than likely you are thinking to yourself now, over the organizations that you lead, over the groups and teams that you lead, well, what does leadership do with that? Unity does unity does not give up the authority of leadership. Jesus is our King. And while there are preferences and things within the church that we can have, he is still sitting on the throne of our lives and he is the head of the church. But notice that David, as the ultimate authority over this people, Israel, notice that he did not say because he had full well right to do so, but what he did not say was how wonderful and pleasant it is when everyone does what I want. Cause he, again, he has, he's the king, he has full authority to say how wonderful and pleasant it is when everyone does what I prefer. But what he said is how wonderful and pleasant it is when God's people, family, church, family, nation of Israel, when they live, when they dwell, when they sit down together in unity, when they work things out, when they realize they are the people of God. And if there are any people that are meant to figure out and go one direction, it should be those who are saved by the grace of God, covered by the blood of Jesus, going to bust heaven wide open together under one banner and one name above all names. Now, don't misunderstand again. There are leaders and there are followers in every organization. There are leaders and followers in every family, every church, every team, every business, every school, and whatever organization. And those leaders set the course for priorities, even at times the temperature for preference. But God never intended that everyone should agree on matters of minor importance. The challenge in the church and in the home And in every other unit is to disagree without being disagreeable. Does that make sense? The challenge in every organization and and every home, every church is, is for every person to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. What do you mean? Well, let me just ask you a question. Do you have a disagreeable spirit? Do you have a disagreeable spirit? Do you have the face that always says no when anything is brought up? in anything that you're a part of. Where we could say, hey guys, when y'all leave the service today, we're gonna hand every single one of y'all a $20 bill. And as I say that, some of you be like, uh-uh, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> How come? Don't know, I just know it ain't gonna work. I'll figure out my reasons right now. But I can tell you right now, that's not gonna go. It's not. Are you that disagreeable spirit? When any time anything is brought out or a new idea or a change of direction, that's not going to work. Or the face without saying a word that says, no, I don't like that. How come you don't like it? Have you thought about it at all? No, but I don't like it. Hey, be self-aware because no joke, there are people in every group that are this person. Where they don't disagree, they have a disagreeable spirit. They're a no quickly before they ever get to a yes. Let me ask you a question as we think about worship. When a song is played in worship, whenever there is somebody that says, hey guys, I want to introduce this new song to you. Nope, 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 nope. Let's talk about worship for a second. Younger folks. And if you fit into that category, good for you. Younger folks. I don't even know which one I am. When you look over to the older folks, and you see the older folks worshiping God with their whole heart from a place that maybe the song connects with their context, and you see them holding their hands in surrender, praising God who saved their soul and changed their family. Younger folks, is there joy in your heart when you see that? Is there joy in your heart when you see People of a different generation worshiping God. Older folks, when you see a younger generation of believers that you have helped to raise up are lifting their hands in worship to a song to you that may not be treasured in your heart, but is treasured in theirs. When you see that, do you experience joy in your heart because a different generation behind you is now worshiping God to something that they enjoy? I asked that question because the preference of style is the minor, the practice of worship is the major. Now, let's don't say amen to that and not be for it. Amen. That's the kinds of things that separate a church. That's the kinds of things that hold up progress. Is people leaving and talking about The worship instead of worshiping. And these are the things that the Lord brings me back to often, regularly, before a church and leading a church is a message of unity, of harmony, and how wonderful it is when brothers gather together dwelling in harmony. Y'all, I wonder if the churches in the Ukraine are thinking about style and preference this morning. I wonder if they are thinking about the curriculum of their Bible studies I wonder if they are thinking about all these things that are secondary. No, no, no. They're thinking about primaries like I hope we can worship together. Don't you remember just a few years ago when we couldn't gather together? The Lord put on my heart, if he gives it back to us, what will we do with it? If he gives it back to us, what will we do with it? And thank God Almighty that we are able to come back together and worship him together. But Satan would love nothing more. Then to just a little bit at a time put something in your mind to be in your bonnet that would cause you to say, I don't like this, and who's with me? Y'all, we've got too much stuff to accomplish to deal with that. Amen. You know, I had the thought the other day. I had the thought the other day. What if we take one month of Wednesdays, and, and we gather together in here as adults on Wednesdays and we worship together just for a minute and then we move the men out of one, into one place and we move maybe the women into one place or we leave one here and move one there and we deal with some of the things that men and women deal with or struggle with and, and we deal with those things separately and, and the reason I say that is because There have been people in our ministry life that seem to need that in our church. It's part of my responsibility to keep a finger on the pulse, so to speak, as Brother Dusty used to say, to know what's going on within our people. But as soon as I thought like that, I know there will be resistance to it. I know there will be, because there's people. And part of the resistance will be something like, I'm just telling you, I like to be in there on Wednesday night with my spouse, Yeah, I'd like to do that too. i got to preach. I mean, Brittany can sit beside me, I guess. That may be a little awkward. (laughs) But would we rather, at that point, for a month of Wednesdays, are we going to have that look on our face that is completely disagreeable already, like, Nope. That's not going to work. You know why I like to come on Wednesday nights. Would you put that above men that need discipleship? Women that need to be able to be spoken into uh, from from somebody that can relate just for a month? Would we put that stuff above ministry? If we do, we are majoring in the minors. The secondaries are more important than the primaries. But we're just going to go to somewhere else. Well, then, if you go somewhere else, you're assuming that they're never going to have any idea ever outside of that. And I can tell you, more than likely, if you're going to that church, they're not going anywhere. Now, I love the local church, and y'all know it's true. The challenge in the church, in the home, every other unit, is to disagree without being disagreeable. When we choose uniformity over unity, we create divisions. And listen, y'all, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. The Bible says, but of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. Do you know what that means? God allows division in the church To show which side is actually spiritually mature and which side is not. That's what that means. Divisions will happen to see which one of y'all have the favor of God and which one of y'all have the preference of people. God allows this division for that purpose. Meaning, division can help us toward seeing who is actually spiritually mature and who is not. Now listen... Divisions, not disagreements or discussions, because disagreements and discussions, when they are done in a heart of love and for the church, are absolutely healthy and contribute health to the body. Disagreements and discussions are not the same as divisions. Divisions are proof that some have failed to discern the values and the mind of God. Going back to last week, you may look at involvement, In the Lord's work in a different way than others. You may look at those things that are exhibited and giving and serving and worshiping. You may look at those things in a different way than others. But listen, holding out will prove that you need to be more spiritually mature. If you think to yourself, I don't, I don't know that that's the way that I would do it. Or if you think to yourself, I interpret that a little bit differently. But when it comes to giving and worshiping and serving and loving one another and studying and preaching, if you think, well, they do it this way, so I'm going to take my ball and go home, you are in need of a dose of maturity. You need to grow up in the Lord and grow up, period. How about that? Now, let's talk about the value of of harmony. The Scripture says it is precious. Look in chapter 133, verse 2. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Say, what? That's one of those where you'd be like, now what in the world does that mean? I'm glad you asked. When the Lord instructed his people to build for him a sanctuary, he called a pastor, called a priest, and that priest's name was Aaron. And to dedicate Aaron, the Lord instructed the people to pour oil, or in the South, as we say sometimes, oil, oil, which is a perfumed liquid, to pour that over Aaron's head. And this was a biblical symbol of the Holy Spirit, meaning this was a symbol that God was leading this. God is in this. God is leading Aaron towards ministry on his behalf and for the good of the people. Here, harmony is compared to that oil. So just as the oil, the Spirit of God, just as the oil was the mark that God was working in and through the individual, don't miss this, harmony is the mark that God is working through a people. Just as the Holy Spirit is the mark that God is in the individual and moving them towards the truth, harmony is the mark of a Christian body that God is working in them and moving them for His purposes. Y'all, the Lord is not divided up. So the church should not be divided up. Even across denominations, we should be able to work together for the things that we hold in common as a common bond of Christ. The Lord is not divided up. The Holy Trinity is one God, three persons, one essence and three in function. And so whether in the church, the family, business or ball teams, if there are believers there, there should be harmony and health there. For those of us that are getting into another ball season, if you got Christians on your teams, God help us if we fall apart in front of a lost and dying world when there are believers in those ball teams. When there are believers in our places of business and in our churches and in our families. Often the reason... Harmony is not present is because what is over our head and running down our beard and onto our robe is not the oil of God, it's the odor of man. When the church has a mixture of the oil of God and the odor of man, it smells like a middle school boy's locker room. (laughs) Have y'all ever been in a middle school boy's locker room? It's a combination of body odor and Axe body spray. That's really what it's like. You walk in and there's like this mixed reaction of your nose where you're like, "Uh, huh that's really what i'm and i as I used to teach and coach, and I would walk into a locker room, and that's what it's like each and every time. What I'm telling you is that it's bearable, but it's not desirable. So when you are in the church and and there is a a semblance of the oil of God the spirit of God working through a people but the odor of man which is I'm preference driven and pulling towards what I want it's bearable but it's not desirable and I think we all want to be a part of something that God is doing that he values and that he desires it to be Wednesday night we had a crowd here working together this month is move month so on Wednesday nights we've been We've been moving and we will move for the next two weeks before the last Wednesday night we're off for spring break. But the next two Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, we will go out into the community and we will pray over the bags that we've prepared as emergency bags into our community. But we'll also go and pray with some of our ministry partners. The church prays together. And we will go out into the community and we will pray. And the next week, we will take the bags that we put together last Wednesday night. And we will go out and we will invite people to come to Easter services and to come to the the Easter egg hunt at Tanner High School. And we've done the prep work last Wednesday night. And so as we did that this Wednesday night, people were here standing in line to serve. Not no, no, no. Not standing in line to receive because that's usually why we stand in line. Standing in line to serve. And as they were standing in line to serve one by one, waiting patiently in line, there was multiple, multiple opportunities for somebody to go, this ain't the way y'all ought to do this. Why in the world are we doing this? Are these bags going to do any good? I know y'all put those little cards in there. can nobody read it because it's too small. I mean, like, all of these opportunities are there for discord. And I left that night and told Brittany, I was like, that was so much fun. That was so good. Because as we were standing in line to serve and to give and to prepare and to pray, all over the building was fellowship. People just talking and meeting one another, getting to know one another. And and that, in my opinion, is what God has for the church. Everybody's preferences were not met. Everybody there is not the same. But we are working together, one in spirit, one in purpose, just as God has said, so we can get something done, actually. I'm thankful to be in a church. We have one committee, the Personnel Finance Committee. We don't have 55 committees here at this church because committees meet and ministries minister. Thank you. Thank you for the leadership in this church. I've I've told Brother Dusty in recent months, I've thanked him and the leadership for the years leading up to when God led me to this position because as I have come into this leadership position, I can lead and not put out fires every time we turn around. And thank God Almighty for the foundation that has been built here in this church and the ministry that's been had for a long time. And church now, I would think that God would continue to see that through. That God would continue to do new things. Sing new songs and bring new people into a church that God has in mind. So, because we are people of preference, we must be careful that when our church or family gathers together, we are contributing to the sweet smell of a sanctuary and not the odor of a locker room. Because harmony is that precious to God, we work hard to keep it. Psalm chapter 133, verse 3. And the first half of that says, as we are beginning to close, harmony is a, as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. Now again, this is a comparison, a simile, that I don't understand unless I study it. Harmony, unity, is refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. Mount Hermon is the highest point in Israel. crosses the borders of two countries, meaning across people groups. The mountains of Zion were lower than Hermon and they are the benefit from any water from that high point that trickles down from a higher peak. The Israelites were agricultural. They counted on God to provide rain. They counted on God to provide water. Listen to this. And even dew that ran down from the high places to the lower plots of Israel and this was God's provision. It was God's refreshing. It was God's relief. This is actually where Mountain Dew gets his name. I'm joking, that's not true at all. I'm kidding. I looked it up. Brittany and I actually looked that up this week. When you when you that would have been cool though, wouldn't it? I looked it up and I was like really hopeful of the spiritual connection. Like this has got to be what it is. This is Mountain Dew. It's this is it. But it turns out Mountain Dew was originally a slang term for moonshine. So that doesn't really. (laughs) That actually is the truth. It actually is the truth. But it should have been for this. And it should now. Now when you drink it, if you do, it could be a reminder that you when you drink Mountain Dew with your spaghetti, it's a reminder of refreshment For living that that only God provides. But usually now, y'all, this is this is good. Usually, we only picture rain as refreshment. We only picture rain as restoration on on lost and dying crops. But what David mentions is dew. Dew holds things together till the rain comes. Dew is quiet, but it is mighty as it is a provision of life. The connection here is that relief comes from a higher place. There are times in the church, times in this church and any other one, there are times in the church because people are there. There are times in a family because people are there. When disagreements and disappointments are difficult and it leaves the place that we live in dry and without any signs of relief. And When you don't know in those times in your family, in your church, in your teams, in your organization, when you don't know if it will ever rain again, God will give you the dew to hold you over to the showers of blessing come. Meaning that you can still have green grass in a dry season because God provides just what you need and knows how much you need when you need it. If you are struggling in your family if you're struggling in this church if you are struggling in any of your teams organizations you got to look to a higher place more so than what you can come up with so that the refreshment of god can trickle down into your life this will probably speak to a number of you in a number of different ways but think back in your life when it's been a dry season either at church or it's been a dry season with whatever organization you're a part of, a dry season in your family, which we've all been through those. And think back to when somebody gave you a word. Somebody noticed you and put their arm around you. Think back to when somebody sent you a card and it arrived just at the right time. Maybe somebody paid you a visit. Think back to when God gave you a song a song in your heart. That wasn't a shower of blessing, but it was enough due to hold over to the showers of blessing came. When Brittany and I were were a young family, we had moved out of one career left and, and came into ministry. And I don't want you to get me wrong. God has always taken care of us. He's always provided for us because God is faithful. And he's always done that for us. There was a time though, when Brittany and I were learning a new chapter in our life and and how to balance ourselves how to, not to be a burden to anyone else but how to balance our accounts and make sure that we were taking care of our family and there was a couple of times when when I prayed and would ask god god please provide for us would you please take care of this need and one particular time i'll just share this with you one particular time i walked down here and i don't again i don't want you to misunderstand me god's always taking care of our needs one, one particular time, I, I walked down here, I went to my mailbox, that's the staff mailbox. There was an envelope with my name on it, and it was a $100 gift card to Walmart. And tears came to my eyes walking back to my office. And I thank God, because we had been praying, and God took care of that need that day. And it wasn't a shower, a rain shower of blessing, but it was enough dew to get us through. And I have not forgotten that in that dry season for when God did bring the showers of blessing. And if you need something in your life that may not be a gift card, but you need something to help you through this time, call on the Lord. He is the higher place. He is the most high God. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the prince of peace. Seek God to meet that refreshment time of need in your life because nobody else is high enough. And Seek God for what only he can give. And so this is the, the value of dew. This is the value of harmony that God gives. Just as we think of how good that moment was in our life that God provided this to get us through, that's how valuable and good harmony is in the body of Christ. That even when it's a dry season, God will see the body through based on his high place refreshment. First Corinthians chapter one verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your version may say by the name, and that means authority. I appeal to you, church, by the authority of our Lord Jesus to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And in the last verse, the last half of verse 3, chapter 133 says, And let the Lord, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing even in life everlasting. See, I was speaking with somebody just before the service started about how Jesus can be found in the Old Testament. And when you see there in the Scripture, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing even in life everlasting, you realize that the blessing, the ultimate cumulative, there's the word, blessing that is throughout the Old Testament and to the New Testament for the world is found in Jesus. He is the blessing. He is the promise of life everlasting. You see, there where God's people dwelt together in harmony, this is where the Lord pronounced his purposeful provision and position of one people group, Israel. God blessed the world through the provision of Jesus who lived, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins and the hope of eternal life. And out of one church... God reaches the world for the cause of Jesus Christ. One church, a unified body. See, when we lose, as one pastor said, when we lose our unity in the church, it's because something has become more important to us than Jesus. That's such a good word. If God has given us vision for new works, if God has given us vision for genuine diversity, and he continues to teach us what that looks like, it won't matter if there is no harmony in our fellowship because we won't go there together. I, I think if you'll look back over the years of our church and you've seen the people of God come together, as we talked about last week, we've seen multiple church campuses. We, we've we seen a school be grafted in and raised up and ministering to a ton of people. We We see missionaries on the field sent from our church. We see ministry partners that take the gospel to places that we cannot be because we cannot be in two places at the same time. And when the church comes together, harmony, unified and under the name and authority of Jesus Christ, we do Jesus Christ things. We send people and plant churches, reach people with the gospel I was a part of that at Lindsay Lane East. I benefited from you here at the main campus, sending us out and raising us up and watch us baptize at least one person a month for six years. That's Jesus Christ things. Last week at the North Campus, they baptized six. See, this is, this is the stuff that's built out of churches that overcome the preference stuff and see the primary as important. If God has given us vision for new works, for genuine diversity, again, it will not matter <clears throat> if there's no harmony in our fellowship. Last night, I hope I can speak to this, but uh, my, my wife and I and some friends, we went to a concert. We went to a concert and uh, the, the people, it's, it's interesting, the, the people were united, singing the same songs. Like even to the point where the artist on stage would take his mic, stop singing and hold it out and everybody knew the words. Everybody sang the song. Everybody was together, clapping together. Everybody's kind of on beat, but they're trying. And all of this is happening. And I I thought to myself as I was thinking about the message, man, what a unified room. What a unified room. But then I also thought, but this is easy. Most of those folks in there look the same. Most of them listen to the same thing. Most of them always have. What God does is God brings together people from all kinds of walks of life, different kinds of context. He brings them from all parts of the world. He brings them with all kinds of hurts, different hurts. He brings them with all kinds of stories, all kinds of testimonies across the entire world. God unifies all of these folks under one name. That is a God-sized thing. That ain't no concert. And those people never get tired of praising and singing his name. We can come back out for encore after encore and it never gets old because that God who unites us all made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin. He made a way for us to know and believe that when we pass from this life, we will have eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is our God, the main character always. This is our God that unifies our church. And if we will turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to invite you to be part of our church. If you'd like to join today, we have people here that would love to receive you and talk you through that. And maybe today it's time for you to be saved. It's time for you to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And if you've got more questions about that, we're here to help you right where you are. You can bow your head and close your eyes here in just a moment and call on the Lord. Call on the Lord to save you. If you need to take the next step towards membership or the next step towards baptism, or maybe you just need to talk with someone or if you'd like to pass right on by us and come to this altar, please, church, as I have mentioned on the front end, please call on the Lord about what he would have us to do to accomplish the vision here to reach more people. Start praying with us on that, amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, oh God, for how you have brought this church together. And Lord, you're not a respecter of persons. You're not a respecter of churches. We're just one gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church out of a bunch that are awesome. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the work that you've done here in our church. And it's simply my heart and desire that you'll keep doing that here. But, Lord, we know that you don't work in doubt and division. Lord, you work in unity. Jesus, you prayed for us to be one. You prayed that in John 17, Lord, that we would be one as you and the Father are one. So, Lord, if we need to lay things down at the altar, Lord, if we finally need to give ourselves up, Whatever this looks like, Lord, for our unity, I pray that, God, we would respond today truly seeking you and letting go of ourselves. And, Lord, that if we are in a place now that we need to sing and worship for the first time that we've been here today before we leave, God, that we would lift up your name on high and, God, give us the refreshment we need. In Jesus' name, amen. So altar's open.